What's up, punks, punkettes, and all you fuckers in between? This is Eric Larner, creator of Die Emos Die, coming at you with another bonus track. I'm here in the studio, and by studio, I mean my bedroom, with Shannon Kay, a.k.a. the voice of Maggie Mayhem and my wife. Hey, what's up? Um, so I think first for our listening audience, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So hello, everyone. I'm Shannon Kay. Uh, as Eric has already let you guys know, I did do the voice of Maggie Mayhem. Uh, and I also happen to be Eric's wife. NBD. That's not how I got the role. Just to be very clear. Very classic Hollywood style. <laughs> I hired my own wife to act in my podcast. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I am an herbalist, a garden consultant. I'm a fundraiser by day. I'm kind of a, a Jill of all trades, as they say. I do a little bit of everything. So I was really excited to get back, uh, get behind the mic and do a little bit of acting again. It had been a minute. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my first question is how long have you been acting? Oh, man. Uh, You know, I officially started acting, I think, probably when I was in middle school, you know, for quote unquote, like, standard productions or whatever, you know, things that had a director, things that were seen by the public. But as long as I can remember, basically, since I could talk and boss around my younger siblings, I was putting together plays and performances for my family holding them hostage in the living room, forcing them to watch my awkward childhood creative process. So forever. (laughs) Some real classic older sibling energy right there. I know I did the same, the same thing. I mean, what's the point of being the oldest if you don't get to also be the boss? That's very true. (laughs) So um, kind of going off of that, where are you from originally? So I am from a tiny little town called Granbury in Texas. It's about 45 minutes southwest of Fort Worth. So I grew up in North Texas, but I moved to Austin when I went to UT, which is where we met, and lived there for seven or eight years before we moved out to LA. And we've been out here now for a little over five years. That Good is, times. That is true. Um, <laughs> so the small little town, what was the music scene like there? Very weird, man. Um, Granberry is funny in that it had a really big like scene when I was in middle school and high school. Like a lot of kids were in bands. There were fun like hidden shows that would happen in Granberry, I guess, for bands that were in Fort Worth. I mean, so Michael Mansoor, who was on the podcast, is one of my friends from high school. And I remember going to see When the Light Turns Red when they were performing. Uh, So it is kind of this funny thing where it's a really small town, like less than 7,000 people. But there is, there was, I guess I don't live there anymore. I can't speak to it. But when I was coming up, there was a music scene. There were a lot of us that were doing like theater and choir, a bunch of really creative kids with nothing else to do because there is literally nothing to do. In Granbury. <laughs> I visited. It's true. There is literally nothing <laughs> nothing yeah. to do. It's very, very boring. So kind of with that, I guess, what was your earliest memory in that time, like growing up involving music? Yeah. So I have a, I was like thinking about that. And 
I was fortunate to grow up in a family, I guess, that really loves music, even though it's not necessarily music that I'm into anymore. But when I was really little, like very, very little, I was obsessed with the song Achy Breaky Heart. And anytime that music video would come on, I would have to like dance in front of the television. That is a classic song. Maybe we'll get a <laughs> recording of you in your dance routine. Uh, no, you will not. I don't wear pull-ups anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll talk to your grandparents. I'll find one. Oh, right. Um, so kind of with that, sounds like there's a lot of performance, a lot of acting. Um, so along with music, I wanted to see, since you were also acting in the podcast, um, kind of what were some of your early influences? We'll go performance-wise. So is that acting, film, uh, you know, theater or music, kind of all of the above. Yeah, you know, it's this uh, really small company. You might have heard of them, Disney. Uh, <laughs> I grew up on Disney princesses. You know, musicals were my jam and they still are. I love musicals. I have performed in a lot of musicals. Get me a Broadway like soundtrack and I will like belt in the car. Uh, my favorite when I was little was Beauty and the Beast, which is actually why I ended up taking French in high school and college, because I wanted to be Belle. Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of, with that, wanted to also see if you could meet like any musician or actor or just artist, who would it be, living or dead? Man, that's hard because you're combining music and acting, but I would still have to say probably Alex Turner, the lead singer of the Arctic Monkeys. They are by far and away my favorite band. I also think that he's a genius writer. Uh, and I, I say them because I probably would have said Justin Pierre from Motion City, but I've had the wonderful opportunity to meet him with you because he's probably one of my other... I guess, music idols as far as writing and lyrics and just performance. Um, but I haven't met Alex Turner. So he's I think he's got to be the one. For better or worse, you can maybe meet <laughs> Alex Turner one day. But yes, we have met Justin Pierre. Really big fans of Motion City soundtrack. I know I listen to things that aren't punk rock. I know, really hard to believe. But I do. Um, I think you kind of just answered kind of like favorite band or musician. But in general, being in the podcast and things like that, what are your thoughts on punk music? I love punk music. I'm very much the type of person that I have a really eclectic taste in music. Y'all might hear our dog in the background. Willow is uh, trying to keep us safe from something moving outside. She's not a fan of the podcast. <laughs> Willow's not a fan of mine. Um, so <laughs> I think that punk music is really wonderful. And I think the thing that I appreciate the most about what you did with the show was really trying to push the boundaries about what punk music is. I mean, in particular, I think one of my favorite punk bands that I've gotten into in the last year is probably the Muslims. I think they're amazing. And I just think punk has this really political drive to it that has always spoken to me. I've been a really big politics geek, like I have a degree in American studies, which is all about cultural history and a lot of politics and government and, you know, looking at the way that governmental oppression impacts people and thinking about punk music as this really amazing form of rebellion 
And more and more, I think, just diving into how it's not just like white people dressed in Vivian Westwood, right? Like there is this whole side of punk music that's not the fucking Sex Pistols. (laughs) So I think that was one of my favorite things that you did with the podcast is trying to like expand people's view of it. But I think punk rock is awesome. That's true. Not every punk is Iggy Rotten. There are some punks that are smart. They know big words and they know politics. And they know politics. It's true. But the Muslims are really, really fantastic. So I just like a plug for them as a great punk band. Yeah, I was just listening to one of their songs, Crotch Pop a Cop. So I mean, you know, (laughs) smart, but while also being quote unquote not smart, I think is a really fun way to probably put it. I think that my favorite song of theirs is Fuck These Fucking Fascists, which eloquent, truly very eloquent. Uh, But I do I do. I love them. I think they're fantastic. And I do think that punk music has this really raw power behind it that especially in times like these, sometimes you just need to scream about stuff. That's true. Um, So you do like punk music, but Obviously, your character, Maggie Mayhem, <laughs> has a lot of opinions on punk music. Yeah, so I she guess does. what was your process going into like playing Maggie and all of her thoughts on mu- on music? Yeah, I think for me and looking at Maggie, I really focused less on her quote unquote opinions about music and more on the emotion behind everything that was happening. Because her turning her back on punk music was, sure, the music played a small part in it, but it was really about the scene. And it was about the people and the way they treated each other. And I think everyone has had the experience of feeling like an outsider. I know I have. And I think anybody that gets into the arts, no matter what that looks like, has felt like someone on the outside looking in. And so that was really the angle I tried to take with Maggie. And then taking that and putting it through the lens of like Repo, the genetic opera, like very dramatic, very drawn out phrases. Um, So yeah, I think that it was for me less about the actual music things that she was saying and really just trying to get it like that emotion and that hurt that was really clearly behind all of that. That's true. We went for a lot of melodrama because goths, for better or worse, very into the melodrama. I'm pretty sure the direction note I gave you when we recorded the pilot was Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek, but make it goth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was fun. I think it was Maggie was a very fun character to play because I think one of the great things when you're acting is to get to play people and characters that aren't rooted in realism because you get to really just go for it and be absolutely ridiculous in ways that you might not otherwise that's true everyone (laughs) sorry to burst your bubbles shannon doesn't actually talk like that i do not actually speak like that all right so i also wanted to ask you a little bit about your takeover episode because not only in the podcast were you acting but you also brought a little bit of your music talent because you wrote a song for the podcast (laughs) i did i did so music is one of my earliest loves. Um, It's something that I've always really enjoyed. I've done choir for, God, as long as I can remember. So I was really excited to get to work on this with you. Um, I actually wrote a song for another short film of yours, Perfidia, that some folks may be 
are familiar with. That's uh, true. So this isn't your first <laughs> foray into writing songs for me. <laughs> it is not. It's not. It's the second one. Um, but no, I, I just really wanted to put something together that was very much emo. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just trying to think through Maggie's relationship with Iggy and a lot of that pain and frustration that she's talking about and really put that into something that Iggy would hate. That's, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, <laughs> so you kind of mentioned you have written a song for me before. Um, what was this like? Was it different writing as a character as opposed to, you know, just writing a song as you yourself as Shannon? Not really, because for me, when I'm doing music stuff, I feel like I always kind of put on a bit of a character, even if it's not explicit. So it was actually a little nice for me to not have to kind of come up with my own backstory for the song. So I guess like half of the work had been done. So that was really nice. But as far as, you know, even that other song that I wrote for your Perfidia short film, you know, that was really not coming from a Shannon place. Mm, it's very <laughs> Ziggy Stardust of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, NBD. But when I was working on that song, I was really influenced by um, the Velvet Underground. And they're one of my, obviously one of my favorite bands. I think Nico is fantastic. But there's this song called Femme Fatale that I'm going to put in my list, my music like playlist that I put together. Um, but that was probably one of the biggest influences for this piece. Awesome. We'll make sure everyone can hear it. All right. Awesome. Really glad to get to hear a little bit about your music talent, you know, as well as acting. You got like double threat. You're working on all of those Oscar, Grammy. <laughs> You're going to eat Oh, yeah. I'm going to EGOT. Not really, but uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And I'm really, it's really nice. That's one of the great things about working together is you do let me sort of play and enjoy other aspects of myself. It's always a good time. Well, I really enjoyed it, so thank you. You're very welcome. I guess moving past Maggie and with the rest of the show, other than Maggie, who was your favorite character, like being able to listen back to the show and everything? Oh, Ziggy. Hands down, Ziggy. I mean, I adore Michael. I've known Michael for, God, 15 years. At this point, we've been friends for a really long time, and it's been amazing to see him evolve into this performer that is getting a little bit of the recognition he deserves, but only the tiniest bit. But I just think he's hilarious. The role was written for him. He also looks a lot like my dead cousin, and it was very funny the first time he met my grandmother because he walked into the room and my grandmother, I kid you not, looked like she had seen a ghost. Because apparently Michael very much looks like a, a cousin of mine that had passed away before I was born. And so I just think it's so funny that this like ghost of maybe someone I was related to has turned into the silly, hilarious comedian who is universally adored by everybody as a human as well. That's true. If you're in Los Angeles, he puts on a show called A Comedy Show LA. Um, definitely, definitely um, check it out. And speaking of other things people do other than the podcast, I know that you have your own podcast already. It's not narrative, but coming from theater, coming from music, what was this like coming coming into it, like a narrative style podcast? I mean, I loved it. I 
am a geek for teleplays and like anytime you get into the car after I've been driving, it's going to be on NPR. I love listening to talk radio. I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, including Welcome to Night Vale, which I know was one of your inspirations for this. This is a podcast that Eric and I actually listen together. So I think that it was just it was really fun to put myself in this position of something that I've listened to a lot, but I've never done it. And as someone who's come from more of a theater background, I think you're very used to your voice being really one of your strongest tools, because when you're on a stage, they talk about acting for the back of the room, right? But there is, you just understand realistically that there's only so much facial expression that's actually going to read from people that are hundreds of feet away from you. So of course, like posturing is part of it, but you do learn to do so much with your voice and vocal inflection um, and projecting, which is something that I'm always working on is like not screaming into a microphone um, because I'm not trying to let people in the back of the room hear me. It's true. We don't (laughs) set up the microphone in the back of the room. It's a few inches away from your face. Yeah. So that's an adjustment, but it was really fun. It was a really exciting process to like dig into it. Yeah. And and with that... um, I know you're not in every single episode, but but out of the ones that you were in, what was your favorite one like to record, like the actual process of recording? Yeah, I think that my takeover episode, the second half of recording was really fun. A bit of behind the scenes. We did the first half of the episode and then I got this massive headache. I was trying so hard to work through it and then I just couldn't. And so it was really great, though, to get to come back to that episode I think it was a combination of I really liked the content and getting to act it out was really fun, but it was also this really wonderful, joyous experience of actually being able to feel like I was turned on when we were going through the rest of the material because I was definitely dying the day before that. But it was was really fun, and I felt very proud of what we had done after that. So if you sound really annoyed and fed up about halfway through the episode... That wasn't active. Right. You know that I was actually feeling pretty awful. <laughs> but it was it was also really great to get to work with you, obviously, as like my partner. It's it's really different to get to work with you creatively because we do a lot of bouncing things off of each other. But it was really different to get to be directed by you. And I think that episode in particular was cool because there was so much more of a dialogue as opposed to the other episodes where I'm not in as much. We didn't have as much time to really workshop things together. And so that was also a really fun part of the process. That's true. I think this is the first time we've actually actually collaborated because I know I've done creative projects and you have helped, but more in like you're there holding a light or helping to move things around, but you're not actually creatively in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was really fun. It I know that there's people have very mixed uh, experiences working with their, you know, partners on projects. Uh, <laughs> but I felt like this one went really well. And I think part of it is still also because you were very much the leader. And it was I was very comfortable as someone who's got an acting background, letting you be the director. But it was really great. It was also really cool just to get to be a part of your directing process. It was a pleasure getting to work with you. <laughs> And I'm not just saying that because we're married. I'm like, y'all don't see the gun I have to his head behind the <laughs> behind the mic. Um, so did your, I know you mentioned your takeover episode, listening back through everything after it was recorded, after I did all of the editing and everything. Um, what was your favorite 
episode of the show, you being in it or otherwise? I mean, I don't want this to sound like a cop-out, but I do really like the finale. And in particular, I like the hidden track of the Mm. finale because I really appreciate that this isn't a story where your protagonist is put on a pedestal. You know, Iggy, Iggy messed up. And as an audience, you're listening to this happen. And I really enjoyed getting to have that moment as the as a listener to really hear him come to that conclusion, you know, realizing that he had really gone way too far. And his interactions with Ziggy, I think, are just super endearing every time they're happening. But I just really loved getting to see a bit of that sort of, I think, the acceptance of having tipped over the edge. And it does give this really great hope for the next season that I hope we'll get, um, because you do get to see this growth from Iggy. And I I just think it was really rewarding after going through the entire, ep- the entire um, show. We'll see if we get a season two. You watched me slowly. Shannon did get a first front row view of me slowly descending into madness as I edited every single episode of this show. So we'll see if a second season happens. I guess that will hinge on the answer to this next question that I have for you, if it's good enough and intrigues me. Um, What are your thoughts, um, you know, for the future of Maggie? I know out of all the characters, she really got it quote unquote, at the end. She literally can't talk and this is a completely audio medium. So I mean, (laughs) what are your thoughts for her kind of moving forward? You know, I think in a universe where magic is real, there are plenty of ways to, you know, moonwalk out of her not being able to speak. So I think that there's a way to come back from that for her. So I do think she can recover. But I also feel like Maggie's heartbreak leading to this sort of big blow up I would be really interested to see how she recuperates from that. You know, she has this really, really intense passion behind a lot of her dialogue and what you're hearing from her early on. And I think for any person getting to the point where, you know, what happens at Warp Tour happens, where there's this all out knockdown drag out and like people are getting hurt. I think that's going to necessitate any person to take a step back and really, you know, do a bit of self-evaluation. And I think that there's no better way to have to, like, shut up and listen than literally getting your vocal cords cut. So I'd love to see I'd love to see what her journey looks like. That's really I'm going to write that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I had a never. No, I had no ideas yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. And, uh, I think you kind of semi answered the next question about, you know, magic being real. This is the question I love to ask everyone, because this is kind of one of the reasons I created the podcast is, do you believe that music is magic? Definitely. I very much ascribe to the theory that magic is just science that we don't have the tools to look at yet. And there is something so powerful about the way that music can change your mood. It can take you into the experiences of other people. And if that's not magic, I mean, if taking you from literally standing on a busy sidewalk in Koreatown 
and transporting you to like crying outside of Adele's house. You know, it's like, that's magic. <laughs> that's very true. He's trying to sound like Zach a little bit. It's not magic. It's just, it's just science, but like, we don't know yet. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> magic and science, like, I feel like constantly science is just like, oh, yeah, all of those like witchy people were right about that. We just have the data now. <laughs> it's very true. Um, thank you for walking upstairs to join me in the studio. You know, it was a it was very trying, the commute. But for you, for the audience, I'll make it happen. That's right. Our dog is stuck downstairs, barking. Outraged. Completely outraged for you, <laughs> the listeners. So we appreciate you tuning in and listening to this. Before we go, where can we find you? This is your chance. Where can we find you, Shannon Kay? Yeah, so I think the best way to find out what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at Shannon underscore Marigold and Mallow. Don't worry about spelling. I'm going to drop it in the episode description for you people. Yeah, Eric will drop it. And then I also have a website. It's marigoldmallow.com. Um, there you can find out all about the different like herbal consulting things I'm doing, other creative projects I'm working on. If you follow me on Instagram, I've recently discovered a love for embroidery. So I'm sure you'll be seeing some of that, uh, as well as my massive plant collection. I'm a big gardener. So, you know, if if you have a general interest, I'm probably doing something that you might enjoy. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening yeah. to another bonus track. And don't forget to stay on track and punk as fuck. Bye. Bye.